Well, good morning. Oh, we can do better than that. Good morning. There we go. <clears throat> it's good to see each and every one of you, and thank you for being here this morning. Happy Father's Day. Uh, for those that are fathers, stepfathers, godfathers, adopted fathers, whatever you are, thank you for being the father. You know, I admire those who do the Big Brother program. You know, everybody needs a mentor. And I praise God for you men that do that. So happy Father's Day. <clears throat> I wanted to uh, share a little story with you this morning. As I was studying the scripture for today, uh, it hit me really twofold, if you will, because uh, this, this message speaks to me not only as a father, but as a pastor. But I wanted to title this message this morning, The Good, the Bad, and Ugly. Now, when I was a teenager, I can't remember what station it was, but we only had a few cable stations. You had to get up and turn this little dial, and it was funny. Believe it or not, we had a dial we turned. But we, 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 it was a station that said, it's Father's Day, and this week, all week, we're going to be showing manly movies. And one of the movies they always showed was The Good, The Bad, The Ugly with Clint Eastwood. And for you not familiar with that movie, wah, 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 you, you familiar with that tune. And it was, uh, it was Clint Eastwood, and I think they called it Spaghetti Western, but it was one of the movies they showed every single year. And it really popped in my mind because uh, uh, being a father, and as a pastor, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything that we are, everything that we do, men, we will see all kind of situations, and there's no way to prepare yourself for what may come into your home or outside of it. But one thing that you can be sure of is to make sure, first and foremost, as a spiritual leader of your house, that you are right with God and you lead accordingly. And regardless of what comes, you are prepared for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, that being said, this morning, I want to talk about a man who faced the good, bad, and the ugly and the results of how he handled it. It turned ugly for him as well. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. Verse Samuel. Now, before I read this part, I want to give you a little uh, background or cliff notes, if you will, about what's going on. There was a certain priest and judge by the name of Eli. Now, Eli was a man who you would know in the previous chapter would speak to a lady named Hannah and Elka. See, Elka, he, he and his wife Hannah, and he had another wife, but Hannah didn't have any children. And she wanted a child, and, and, Sam, and, and, uh, and Eli would pray over her and, 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 and saw her faith, and God would give her a son named Samuel. And Samuel, she said she would dedicate to the Lord. So Samuel, as a child, is brought to Eli for him to uh, raise in the temple, as you, if you will. Now, what's amazing about this is Eli had a couple of sons. Now, he was raising uh, uh, Samuel, if you will, but he had a couple of sons, and, and his sons wasn't too swoof, okay? Now, look what the Bible says, and if we could stand as we read the Word of God together. First Samuel, we will begin in chapter 2, 12 through 26. Now, the son, I'm reading from the NASB, you can follow or you can look on your Bible. Now, the sons of Eli were worthless men. Now, what a way to start off. They did not know the Lord and the custom of the priest with the people. Uh, when any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant 
would come while the meat was boiling. And with a three-pronged fork in hand, and then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and all the fork brought up the priest would take for himself. Thus they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who come there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come, get, come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest meat for roasting, as he will not take boiled meat from you, only raw. If a man said to him, They must surely burn the fat first, then take as much as you desire, then he would say, No, but you shall give it to me now. If not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. Okay, Remember I was telling you Samuel, who is now in the presence of Eli, being raised by Eli, if you will. And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it up to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer a yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this, from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home, and the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. Now Eli was very old, and when he had heard all this his sons were doing to all of Israel, and how they lay with women who served at the doorway of the tent of the meeting, he said to them, Why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear the Lord's people circulating. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor both of the Lord and the men. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would open up our eyes as men. And, Lord, this is not just a sermon for men. This is for everybody that is here. But, God, in the time we live in now, Lord, I am praying that you drop the scales from men and men lead as men. That, Lord, they would fall before you because you are truly to be served and praised. Lord, let us set our example like your son Jesus Christ. That Lord, no matter what comes our bad, the good comes our way, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that Lord, you will walk with us and sustain us and will lead as men should. And all God's people said, you may be seated. Now if we could go back to the first part of this verse, I've got to give you some context of what's going on. Now see, when the people would bring their sacrifice, his sons were cheating. And you don't have to turn with me right now, but I want to turn to Leviticus chapter 7, and I want you to re uh, listen as I read how you are supposed to handle sacrifices that are brought before the priest. Now listen, and see the contrast, because it's very important that we gather this, okay? His own hands are to bring offerings by fire to the Lord. He shall bring the fat with the breast, and the breast may be presented as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall offer up the fat and smoke on the altar, but the breast shall belong to Aaron and his sons, priests. 
you shall give the right thigh to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifice of your peace offerings. The one among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat, the right thigh shall be his portion. For I have taken the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of contribution from the sons of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and I have given them to Aaron the priest and his sons as they're due forever forever from the sons of Israel. Now there was a plan that these guys were supposed to follow, a command by the Lord in how they handled the sacrifices. But Eli's sons has decided not to use it as a, sac- as, as, as a sacrifice, but their own personal barbecue. They wanted the choice meat that they decided they would stab in, and whatever came out was theirs. The fat belonged to God. And he had given, an, he had given a very concise and clear directive on how to handle sacrifice. And I want you to think about this. These men had been taught the right way. Deuteronomy tells us we're to teach the law to our, to our family. We're to write it upon everything. We're to uh, write it upon them. We are to teach the Word of God. But these men, not only were they cheating by taking choice food, they were sleeping with women in the tent of meeting or the tabernacle we would call of Moses. They were indulging in food, and they were indulging in pleasure that they shouldn't. They were priests. They were spokesmen of God. And they was belittling his name. And I want you to look what it says. Not only were they doing this, they were doing this to all of Israel in invoking fear. You either give me what I want, or I will take it from you. This is mine. Now, the Bible says that they were the sons of Eli, were worthless men. Actually, the actual word is Belial. The Belial, the sons of Belial. What does that mean? Belial was a pagan, wicked God. They were totally not only worthless, they were wicked in standing for God. But look, during this, The writer interjects Samuel. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod. And his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him year after year. She would come up with her husband to offer yearly sacrifice and Eli would bless them. And they went about their way. You had a young man that was growing in the Lord. And you had two men that were representing the Lord wickedly. God was preparing Samuel to take the place of these two men. And even in the midst of the ugliness, God was working his plan. But I want you to understand, listen, that because of the the faithfulness of Hannah and Elkanah, that God would not only bless Samuel as he would grow up to be a priest, and he would grow up in the righteousness and grow in the Lord, he would bless their families. Because where Samuel grew up, the two sons of Eli went down. Now I know I'm giving you a very large introduction before I get to the points of the sermon, but I want you to see something else. Now Eli was very old, the scripture says, and he heard that all the sons were doing to all of Israel and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent meeting. He said to them, 
Why are you doing these things? Why do you do these things for these people? No, my sons, the report is not good. God can mediate if one sins against another man, but who will mediate when you sin against God? Here's the thing about it. I want you to understand how deep this sin is. When the people would go for their sacrifice and they would question the boys on how they're doing this, the boys would rebuke them and threaten violence. It's amazing when the people of God knew more than the leaders of God. Listen to me. They knew more than the men that was representing as leaders of God. That spoke to me as a pastor. God's word and God's command in God's church is a holy, holy thing. And he is to be served as such. So Chad, what's your point with all this and how does it play into Father's Day? Let me tell you the Reader's Digest part of the story. You see, Eli would rebuke his kids, but he wouldn't do nothing to them. Now this is a very important point. The Bible tells me that because of their sinfulness, that not only had God condemned them to die and they would in battle, but Eli also died, fell out of his chair and broke his neck. You see, the Bible tells us a little later on in the next chapter that he was getting fat too. Now, I am not saying that he indulged in what they have, but I think it very interesting that that statement is brought into that. So here you have this father who is a judge and a priest who has sons that are living wicked lives. Now this is where I'm going to get to the meat of the message. Okay? Now bear with me. Eli is old. So these kids are not 12 and 13 running around. Okay? They're not 12 and 13 kids. I want you to hear what I'm saying. They're grown men. But he's still their parent. And I know a lot of people say, well, I'm grown. My parents should not be involved. I want you to listen to me real clearly. If you have a child that is engrossed in sin, you as a parent should better get involved and share with your children the ways of the Lord. A child never ceases to be your child no matter how old they are. It'll always be your child whether they're three or whether they're 300. But look what happens as a result. And I want you to write these points down because I think it's something that is happening today in our homes, it is happening today with everything that we see going around. And it is festering and it is entering its way into the congregations. Because of the way Eli handled this situation, he did rebuke them verbally, but he did nothing about their action. And I want you to look at, write this now, number one, and how this is applicable there and applicable now. Instead of responsibility, they thought they had entitlement. Listen to me. Instead of responsibility, they thought they had entitlement. What do you mean by that, Chad? They didn't use their position that had been given to them for the glory of the Lord. They used their position as an opportunity to take the choice meats and the benefits of being leaders in the temple. One of the worst things we can do, Dad, listen to me. One of the worst things that we can do as leaders in our own home 
is teach our children that they are entitled. Listen to me. It is our responsibility as dads to raise our children in fear and admonition of the Lord. If you're not the head of your household, you need to be. Because our kids in this day and age have grown up to think that the world owes them something, and especially God. Would you concur with that statement? And it is filtered in and is being passed down by generation from generation that you owe me, look what you need to do for me. We are not to be used as instruments of entitlement, but as instruments of responsibility. We have been given the duty as men to raise our children, to show them that they belong to the Lord. And everything that they do represents us. Something my dad used to say when I was a kid. Son, how you act represents me. So behave yourself when you go out there. I didn't always do that. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying that every child raised in fear of the admonition of the Lord will always do the right thing. But like I've told you before, it's always ingrained in their head. But it's your responsibility. You can't make them when they get older. But while they're in your presence, you can do the best you can to lead them the right way. I often run into many parents who says, I can't control my child. You're bigger than they are. I didn't hear a lot of people laugh on that one, though. But I want you to listen to me. If you let your four-year-old whip you, you're in trouble when they become teenagers. I'm not trying to be smart. Bear with me. I'm not trying to be cute. Chad's talking about physical restraint. Let me tell you something. I'm talking about being a parent. Because here's the deal. I, I, I want you to think about this. This conversation came up last week at work with me from a man who lives in a different country. He's 24 years old. And he was raised in a different country than this one. Okay? And he says, man, when I got here, I saw things were different. And I said, what do you mean? He said, when I was a child, he said, my mom and dad make me get out of the house by 8 o'clock. If I wasn't in school. And I couldn't come back in. Maybe they'd give me a sandwich at lunch. Maybe not. But I couldn't come into supper time. And then we all sit down as a family. And I'm hearing this. He said, I didn't have the electronics to keep me occupied every day. My mom and dad didn't have the money to babysit me that way. I'm striking a nerve here, but bear with me. He said, but I'll tell you this. My family is closer now than they've ever been because we're a family. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and watched people? I do this all the time. I love watching people. And you see a table of 16 people going... Huh? I see this all the time. And people don't talk because we're entitled. It's us first. I need everything for me right now. And that's what had happened here. These men took advantage of a position that had been given them by God to use it for their own glory and not for His. Are we teaching our children? that they're privileged more than anybody else. I will say this, it's an honor and blessing to be born where we are. But I'll tell you this,
I have learned a lot more from people from other places who say, you know what? I didn't have all that you have, but I have a strong family. Man, what has happened? What has happened? Well, I'll tell you what again. It's the absence of fathers. It's the absence of fathers taking the lead in the house. And I'm not saying about anything that mothers. They're single parents. Praise God. There's some in my family that did the job of the man. Bless their heart. They shouldn't have had to do that. But they stepped up because dad wouldn't. Just being honest. But God ordained that men be the head of the house and to be the spiritual leaders and to lead by example. God ordained not only this man to be a father, but he was a leader and judge who had come complacent and let his sons have their own way. And now he's paying for it. Are we teaching entitlement? Number two, do we have the sweep under the rug syndrome? Do we have sweep under the rug syndrome? Here's the deal. Yes, he confronted his kids, but it was a soft rebuke, not a strong one. We cannot allow sin to go unpunished, not even in our own household. Sin has consequences. If we teach our children, listen, Dad, if we teach our children that it's okay to live sinful when they're young, what do you expect to do when they get older? We have got to be fathers that say, look, this is not tolerated. We can't just sweep it in the rug and hopefully it will go away. That's what happened here. Instead of removing them from office, no, they weren't little kids. He left them in. He left them in. Guys, nobody likes to be confronted when they're wrong. Nobody likes discipline. Nobody likes accountability. Would you agree with that? Because the first thing that we've done when we're held accountable is we point the finger to somebody else. Never will forget when I was a kid. If I'd get in trouble, well, his mama lets him do it. His daddy allows him to do it. And you know what my parents would say? I'm not his daddy. I'm yours. See, we're responsible for what happens in our own home. And we got to quit having the sweep under the rug syndrome. When sin goes unchecked, it will go unstoppable. Remember that. If it goes unchecked, then it'll go unstoppable. We must hold one another accountable. Now you saying, I, I know you saying this and you thinking about this, Chad, but he rebuked them. There's a difference in screaming at your kids and punishing your kids. You hear me? There's a difference. I can scream all day at my youngin, and I may incite fear for a moment of time, but punishment comes when you hold them accountable for their sin and you take something away from them that they love. They should have been removed from office. They should have been done. They should have been ripped out of that temple because they were defying the name of the holy God and daddy let them do it. And I want you to look what happened number three. 
the Lord's condemnation. God give them a death sentence. Now we don't like to hear this, but I want you to understand that because of their behavior, not only, listen, let me tell you the power of sin, dads, listen to me. Not only when you live a life of sin, not only does it affect you, it affects others. It blasphemes the name of God and it affects others around you. They had tainted all of Israel because they had decided again that during this period of time, their word was greater than God's word. And God took their lives. And essentially, he took Eli's too. Why do we need to be head of the households? Why do we need to be the spiritual leaders? Because through fear and wisdom, we can't always guarantee that our children will go the right path. But what we can do is everything in our resources through our God-given abilities to let them know what will happen if they do go down that path. You know, I'm sure some of you here today have been like that. Chad, you don't understand what my childhood was like. You don't know what I went through. No, I don't. I don't have a clue, nor do you know mine. But what I will say is change can begin with us and in our home. Every one of us. Joshua would say, choose this day whom you will serve. If you want to serve the pagan God, serve them. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Man, I want to encourage you. You know, as I was talking to this young man, this is what amazed me. And I, and I meant to say this a few minutes ago. He said, you know what my daddy also taught me? I said, what was that? He said, a work ethic. I thought that was amazing. Because, listen, this person's not a believer. But he said, I was taught that everything I should do should be 100%. As Christians, and that is from an unbeliever, as Christians, everything that we do and we should teach ours should be 100% because we want to represent the holiness and the righteousness of God in our lives. Would you agree with that? I'd pray so. You see, this morning, I'm not sit here to sit that all dads are bad, by no means. But see, this message has a double message for me as a father and as a pastor. Which means this, I, like you, are held responsible for how I raise my family. I'm held responsible for that. Now, I can't be saved for any of you or my children. I can't save any of you or any of my children. But what I can do is live the example that God's called me to live, share the wisdom that God has given me in His Word, Understand that I am not entitled to a thing. But by God's grace and glory, He gave me His Son, Jesus Christ. And my life should reflect that. That I'm also taught that I need to hold my kids accountable. And that I don't need to sweep things under the rug. But I also need to instill upon my children, and we all do, that the consequences for not obeying God...
You hear me? Sin has consequences. Brothers and sisters, this morning, this wasn't going to be a long message. But I want you to understand that God does not tolerate unrighteousness. And our lives should be lived as those who serve Jesus Christ. Man, I encourage you today, if you're struggling with how to be the head of your home, start by this, placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you've done that, then you seek Him for wisdom. And He'll give it to you. I tell you this, I can't guarantee any child will grow up to be the next evangelist or missionary. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that your child will be saved. But what I can promise you is if you are obedient to God's word, you let him handle the results. And he will. We have to be faithful to what he's called us to do. And, and, and brothers and sisters, listen to. As I was sitting here thinking about this, and I didn't add this point to this sermon, I think we all need the self-examination to see if we are leading a life worthy of Christ. Every one of us How can we command our children to follow the example of Christ if we don't? You see, again, I can't go back and say for sure whether Eli was eating of the meat, but the Bible says that he was getting pretty big too. So he was eating well. We have to ask ourselves, are we living a life worthy of Christ or what we living for, as Living and Raven Hill would say, worth Christ dying for? Is what we living for worth Christ dying for? If we examine ourselves and see where we stand in the presence of God, that should flow downward into our families and to be the representatives that God has called us to be. Because I'm going to tell you something why this speaks to me. And I want you to hear me really clearly on this. I've used this example before, but I'm going to use it again many times if I have to. It speaks twice to me because not only am I a parent, I'm a pastor. I'm a messenger of God's Word, which means I proclaim the Word of God as He has instructed and called me to do. But to do that, my house has to be in order. And I told people many times, when I left uh, the, the church I pastored a while back and we were going through some things that I took the words from David Jeremiah that first and foremost my heart belongs to Christ <clears throat> which he is above all I must love my Lord more than I love my family listen to me Christ must come first Christ must come before your wife it must, he must become before your children, period. Christ is number one in my life. Because I tell you what, if my life, I love Christ more, what kind of love am I going to show my wife? You hear me? 
I love Christ first and foremost. Number two, I'm a husband, which means this side of heaven, my wife is number one. Period. That's the biblical alignment for family. I love my spouse. Second to God, but first this side of heaven. Number three, I'm a parent. Which means this side of heaven, my kids are number two. Four, I'm a pastor, which means you're last. Now before your nerves get tore up, listen to me. It'll always be that way. I love you. Because if I can't handle one, two, and three, then I can't handle number four. This is a double whammy for me. Because not only am I to live it here, it starts in my home. And not every one of you are called to preach or teach, but as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, you're called to make disciples. And it begins in the home. Is the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? What are your priorities? You know, as I was talking to my coworker, he says, now that I look back on things, I seen that my dad was looking out for the best interest of my heart. And he was an unbeliever. Isn't that ironic? Men, regardless if our kids are three or 300, we're still their parents. And I'm not saying you have to take over their lives, but I can promise you if my children, regardless, I got one 30 and my youngest are 12, one in between. But I tell you this, if my children are engrossed in sin, it's my duty as a father, regardless of how old they are, to tell them about it. Number two, but if I'm not living for Christ, how can I open my mouth to them? Dads, I encourage you today to be an example in the home. And I pray that God grows you to be an example also in the church. The church is God's holy, holy, holy group. His people. And God has called us to be men of honor and love and representations of His Son, Jesus Christ. But I will say this in closing, for those of you who have raised children singly, and you might not have had a dad in home or have one now, but I want you to hear me. Praise God you're here. When people have to step up, good for you. Because you know the priority in life is the Lord God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. But men, let's be men, okay? Let's lead by example. Let's confront the sin. Let's not get in the sweep it under the rug syndrome. And let's warn those who follow in unrighteousness that there's a price to be paid. And listen very clearly. There's an ultimate price to be paid for not being followers of Christ. And that's separation from Him. In closing today, i got a question for you. It's not as much do you know Jesus, does Jesus know you? 
Today you can choose who you will serve. You can place your faith and trust in the world and be complacent that it's all about you. But when you leave this world, that's all you'll have. Have you placed your faith and trust in Christ and turned from your sin? You can. As everybody that hears me all the time hears me say this, I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. And I can promise you that as a dad, I have made a sack full of mistakes. Ask my kids. There's no perfect dad because there's no perfect human. But if I do my best to follow Jesus Christ with all my heart, soul, and mind, I can learn and grow because Christ will teach me. You're not perfect, but you can grow. But the first step is making sure you're righteous with Him. And righteousness is not found by anything of your own effort, but found only through the blood of Jesus Christ. For our righteousness, the Bible said, is but filthy rags. But God, through His grace and mercy, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that the wrath that was deserved every one of us was poured out upon His Son. And it is available to all those who believe. Does He know you? You may be here this morning and don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or you may be here and do. But Chad, I'm struggling. Let me tell you something. We have a Father that we can go directly to. I don't need no man to go before God for me. I can go to God. Because of Jesus Christ, He's my mediator. You can go to God directly. And the Bible says, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Which you know what? Men may want not forgive you, Men may not like you, but the Bible says if I confess my sins to Jesus Christ and I ask His forgiveness, He will forgive me. He will cleanse you. Chad, I'm struggling. Well, cry out to Him. He will cleanse you. I said, Chad, I'm growing, I'm learning. I don't know what it's going to look like and I'm afraid of that journey. Well, I can tell you this, there's no precious person to walk with you on that first step of your journey than Christ. And He will go with you. Dads, as we live this place, we live this place today, we can either make an impression for Christ or we can give Him a bad name. I pray that every single one of us that go out this door be a walking, living light that reflects Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. God, we pray, Lord, that you would just use us in a mighty way. And Lord, I want to, for a few moments before the band plays, to offer a time of prayer. Lord, I want to pray that for me as well and everybody in here, Lord, I'm capable of doing anything when I get my eyes off you. But God, I pray today that we would examine our hearts and we would start in our homes and let that manifest into the world that we love our Savior. Lord, if there's one here today that does not have a relationship with you, then Lord, I pray you convict their hearts. Draw them unto you, Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, there's sickness that has attacked the church. There's attacked our sister church that meets here in the afternoon.
And Lord, I want to lift up Katie, Slavic's daughter, who attends the, the Russian church in the evening. She's very sick. And I told him I would lift her up in prayer. And this church would lift her up. Lord, there's others here that are suffering from many things. There's no thing too great to take before you. And God, I pray that whatever ever be brought before you and placed at your feet, the Lord, sometimes you answer what we think should be in the affirmative, sometimes you don't. But God, regardless, give us the peace and understanding that you grant things for the greater of our good, regardless if it's the way we think they should go. Lord, give us a peace that only you can give. God, I pray today that no matter what family is out here, no matter what they may be going through, or they may not be going through anything, God, as I've often said, like the Hebrew children, you're either headed for a furnace, you're in the furnace, or you're coming out of it. God, one day, if we're not in the furnace, we will be. But God, I praise your name, we'll come out of it too. But Lord, we always headed toward it. But God, I pray today that you would give us the strength that only you can give. God, I pray for our children. In a world that we live in today, where everything has been twisted and distorted. God, this is not something new. It happened back then with Eli and his sons. Every one of us are born with a God-sized hole that only you can fill. And when we try to fill it with things, we want to glorify self rather than you. God, I pray that we would set the example for our children, that we would live lives worthy of you. And God, that we would see people grow and we would see people saved. God, you are worthy. Lord, as we take a few moments of silence, I just want us to pray and seek your face. And we'll be led out with music. But Lord, I just want us to meditate and think on you. Examine our hearts. Your Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for your grace and mercy. God, may we lead the examples. Lead by example that follows after you. God, we're going to fail. There's none of us perfect. But Lord, when we get knocked off the path, I pray that you stand us up and we get back on it that everything we do would bring you glory. God, I thank you for the dads, whatever dad they are. Lord, I believe that, like the saying goes, there's many men that say they're fathers, but it takes a special man to be a daddy. Lord, whether it's biological or unbiological, I thank you for all the men who are dads. God, I thank you for those that have no dads in the home and mom is taking the lead. God, I pray that you lift them up and encourage them to keep pressing on. Lord, you, you're worthy of this.
You're worthy of praise. God, I pray that regardless of where anyone stands today, regardless of where they may be or what they may do, regardless of what they may be going through, that all eyes would be turned to you. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Please stand and worship with us.